Ruth chapter 2, verses 1 to 23. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, Who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, She is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I have been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, Let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up, and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I work with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead, she added. That man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, He even said to me, Stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him, because in someone else's field you might be harmed. 
So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished. And she lived with her mother-in-law. Let's pray and ask that God would be with us by His Spirit in our hearts as we seek to understand and apply this passage in our lives. Father God, thank You for Your Word. Thank You that You have given it to us that we may know You, Lord, that we may know what You have done for us, Lord, and that we may know how to follow You as we live in the salvation You have earned for us. Holy Spirit, I pray that You would be within me, Lord, that you would guide my words, that you would guide my heart, Lord, that I would unpack this passage faithfully and well. And please, Lord, uh, work in the hearts of all of us here, whether in the building or watching online, Lord, that, that by your word, you would grow us and you would shape us to be more like you. We pray in your name. Amen. Now, I don't know if you've ever done this activity, but at camps that I've been on, uh, we've done something that's known as a leap of faith. It is a big pole. You climb up the pole with ropes attached to you to break your fall if you slip, and your friends are all at the bottom holding onto those ropes. When you get to the top, you have to jump off, grab a trapeze, and you're relying on your friends to let you down gently uh, as, as you drop back to earth. A leap of faith is what Ruth did last week. She left everything everything she had behind to go and with and follow Naomi, to follow Naomi and to follow Naomi's God. And this week, we see how that begins to work out for her. My name's Nathaniel, if I haven't met you yet, I'm part of the team here at BPCC. And if you weren't here last week, we kicked off a series in the Old Testament book of Ruth. We're exploring it as we prepare our hearts for Christmas. Now, Ruth is probably not the first thing that comes to mind when you think about Christmas, but it is a beautiful story which introduces us to some of Jesus' ancestors and which shows us the way that God providentially worked through human history to prepare the way for the arrival of Jesus. So last week, Adam left us, led us through the first chapter of Ruth, and there we found ourselves in ancient Israel in the time of the Judges. That was a darker and troubled part of Israel's history. And we met Elimelech, his wife Naomi, and their two sons. Now, they lived in Bethlehem, but when famine struck, they left to go to the land of Moab, searching for food. Moab had for centuries been a mortal enemy of Israel. But there, once they get there, Elimelech's sons marry two Moabite women named Ruth and Orpah. But Elimelech and both of his sons are dead within 10 years, leaving Naomi and her daughters-in-law destitute. So Naomi, with nothing left, sets, home to, sets out to return home to her people. Uh, she tells her daughters-in-law, go back to your father's house, go back to where you came from, find you Moabite husbands for yourselves. And Orpah, she does that. She goes back to her father's house. But Ruth she refused to go. She committed herself to following Naomi back home, remaining a part of Naomi's people, and most importantly, to following Naomi's God. So Naomi and Ruth arrived back in Bethlehem with nothing, just as the barley harvest is beginning. Now, their arrival causes quite a stir in town, as you'd imagine. 
and things aren't looking good for them. In fact, their outlook on life is so bad that Naomi even renames herself. She tells her old friends back in Bethlehem, don't call me Naomi anymore. Naomi means pleasant. Instead, call me Mara. Mara means bitter, because she felt that God himself was against her. And that's where we left the story last week. So today, we're exploring this chapter about what happens in the homecoming of Ruth and Naomi. Now, I don't know if you've experienced this before, um, coming home after a long time, but if you leave home and come back after a while, it can be really different when you return. Uh, We all change and we grow over time. Experiences can, can alter us and affect us as people. Our routines and our rhythms change. It can be really different to fit back in again. At this point in the story, we're sort of left wondering what might Ruth and Naomi expect to find as they return back to this land of God's people. You know, Naomi had left her hometown 10 years ago, left her countrymen, left this promised land of God. How would she be received now that she's back? And what about Ruth? She's a foreigner. She's an outsider. Not just any outsider, but an outsider from a nation which God's people did not get along with well at all. How was she going to be received when she came back into Bethlehem? Put yourself in, self in Ruth's shoes for a moment here. Ruth had taken this leap of faith, and her fate was entirely in God's hands. She left everything behind to follow Naomi. She left behind her family, her home, her gods. She left behind any chance she had of remarrying a Moabite man. She had nothing. She had taken a leap of faith, and things looked really uncertain. Have you ever found yourself in a a similar situation to that? I've never had it that bad. The closest that I can get to, the biggest leap of faith I've made so far, was actually almost exactly four years ago, when I made the move up here to Brisbane from where my family lived down in Melbourne. So I moved up here to take the role leading our youth ministry at BPCC, and Like I said, my situation was a lot better than the one that Ruth is in here. But it does help me to relate a bit to what she would have felt arriving in Bethlehem. You know, I was in this unfamiliar place, strange world of Brisbane. Um, The shops close before 10 p.m., so weird. The humidity goes over 30%, like, what is it? Uh, Within a week of getting here, I'd managed to crash my car, complete write-off, and I was sitting at the side of the road, somewhere down south side, calling for help, wondering, was this really a good idea? Like, what was going on? Things weren't really working out too great. Fortunately for me, God provided in the form of a, a welcoming, loving, caring church community. I was only on the side of the road down south side for about 30 minutes before a carload of guys from church rocked up to get me back home again. And throughout that time, through, through the months that followed, through the four years since, I've been surrounded by, by these people, my church family, who have supported and listened and encouraged and helped me, always at just the right time. Because it hasn't just been the people who have helped and supported and encouraged. It's been God's timing of those people and their words. I haven't yet heard a voice from heaven, you know, saying, Nathaniel, keep going. I haven't yet seen a supernatural miracle. Here, Nathaniel, there's some free food. 
but I have consistently experienced God's perfectly timed providence through His people. He's always made sure that things happened, people came along at just the right time, even if I didn't think that it was just the right time at that time. And that's also what Ruth and Naomi experienced when they settled back into Bethlehem. From their story, we get an insight into how God receives those who come back to Him. So, let's have a a look through that chapter of Ruth 2 that we heard just now. I don't have a series of points I'm going to lay out for you, but as we walk through this story together, I'm going to point out some, some key lessons and things to pay attention to along the way. And we'll see how that points us to Jesus. And then we'll think about how this story can both encourage and challenge us wherever we are at in our faith today. So, chapter 2 starts off with a note which gives us some very important information about where the story is going. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. Now, the fact that this story is paused to mention this Boaz guy uh, tells us that he's going to be pretty important to what's about to happen. And we learn two things about him from that verse, two things about Boaz. First, Boaz is a relative of Elimelech, that's Naomi's dead husband. Now, family was far more important then than it is even now today, so this is a really significant detail. And second, Boaz is a man of standing. Now, that term, man of standing, is used in two ways throughout the entire Bible. Uh, It's used, firstly, for someone who is wealthy, uh, who has plenty of land and property and possessions. Second, it's used of somebody who has a good character and good reputation. For Boaz here, it's being used in both of those ways. But after introducing Boaz, we come back to Ruth, we come back to the story. And since the barley harvest is just beginning, Ruth immediately sees a way to fill the need that she and Naomi have for food, pretty, pretty important need. So she goes out to a field and starts gleaning for grain. Now, gleaning was a very menial task. Uh, it was something only the, the poor and the beggars would do. Gleaning was where you followed along after the harvesters and picked up the little bits of grain that dropped to the ground and fell in the dirt as they went. Gleaning was sort of like maybe a modern equivalent could be digging through a dumpster, you know, going through a trash, trying to find some free food. I've got nothing against that, by the way. Uh, free food is free food. Uh, but it gives you an idea of what sh- sort of situation she was in. So off Ruth goes, she's wandering through the fields around Bethlehem, and we read in verse 3, she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. So Ruth goes out, she picks a field, she starts working, and it just so happened that the field belonged to Boaz. Now, I've got comparatively few years of following Jesus under my belt, but as I said just then, I've, I've learned that God has this way of making things work out just right, putting the right people in the right places at the right times. And already we see God providentially working things to make sure that they would work out according to His plan. And just in case we thought this might be coincidence, we read in verse 4, just then... Boaz arrived from Bethlehem. 
Now, the term for just then, that word, means and behold. So literally, the, the author is writing and he says, lo and behold, look who turns up, it's Boaz. God is timing things just right for what is about to happen. So, Boaz arrives, and then in his greeting in verse 4, we learn something about the sort of man that he is. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. So, immediately we see something about the sort of work environment that Boaz runs. As, as a wealthy landowner, he greets his workers in the Lord's name. And their respect for him is shown by how they, they build upon that greeting. They don't just say, the Lord also be with you, but they say, the Lord bless you. But Boaz has arrived at the right field just in time to notice something different. There's a stranger in his field. So who does that young woman belong to, he asks. Now, belong here is not in the sense of slave ownership or anything like that. Rather, he's asking what family this woman belongs to. The answer would have been the family of Elimelech, if Elimelech was alive. And the overseer replies, telling him that this is the Moabite who returned with Naomi from Moab, who stirred up all that fuss that's going around town. Not only that, but the overseer reports back that this lady, she's been hard at work in the field. So, what an incredible series of events that we're seeing already. God has led Ruth to the right place at the right time. He's led Boaz to the right place at the right time. It's my guess that if you're a Christian and you've been a Christian for a while, then you, like I have, have experienced this as well. God doesn't always make things happen which we want to happen. It's not always when we expect them to happen. But God's timing is always far better than any timing that we could have. And this shows us an example of how God provides through His people. A reminder that even when we often don't feel like it, it's important that when we're pressing into God, we're also pressing into God's people. And now in verse 8, Boaz speaks to Ruth and begins to shower her with kindness. He offers her safety, he offers her protection as long as she's in his field. Remembering these are the dark days of the judges in Israel. It's not a safe work environment for a young widow. He offers her the water from the jars that his men have carried up to the field. He feeds her a cooked lunch, and that's from the food that he provides for his employees. He tells his harvesters to go and drop stalks of grain wherever Ruth is walking so she can have more. This is huge kindness. Boaz is providing for this beggar Ruth, a poor foreigner, out of his own pocket. Why? Why is he doing that? Ruth has the same question. Uh, we, we read from verse 10. She asks him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told about all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Boaz recognizes the faithfulness which Ruth has shown to her mother-in-law. And he knows that this, this faithfulness, 
this, this dedication, this leap of faith is pleasing to God. He knows that the Lord is a safe refuge for all those who come to him, no matter where it is that they come from. So Ruth continues to glean the barley in Boaz's field until that evening. By then, she's gleaned a lot of grain. We, we read that she didn't just get the scrapings that she was expecting from the field, but she got an entire ephah of barley. Now, an ephah is about roughly 13.6 kilos. That's a lot of barley for a day scraping through a field. And when Ruth arrives back home again, Naomi is astonished. Naomi's not only astonished at the amount of barley that Ruth has brought back, Naomi is even more astonished at where she got that grain from. Ruth mentions that it was from a man and his name was Boaz. And that's a name which Naomi immediately recognizes. Because Boaz is not only a close relative of the the family, but Naomi immediately remembers him as an incredibly generous man. She immediately realizes how clearly God has been at work that day in bringing the right people to the right places at the right time. Verse 20, the Lord bless him, Naomi said to her her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and to the dead. But then Naomi adds on another hugely important detail about this guy, Boaz. That man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Guardian redeemer uh, sort of sounds like a bit of a superhero, hey? Like, bold, guardian redeemer. But no, the term guardian redeemer is a really, really significant term to the people of that day. A guardian redeemer was a close relative who was pledged to help a person if they went through tragedy or fell into poverty. They were promised to guard, they were promised to redeem anything which was lost. Now, these were the days of the judges, right? Dark times. There's not many people really following God too closely, and there's no guarantee that a person would actually carry out the obligations they have under God's law. But there's a glimmer of hope now for Ruth and Naomi. But this term, guardian redeemer, isn't just something which was important to people in that time of the judges back in Ruth's day. This term is hugely important all the way through the Bible. Because God promises, consistently promises time and time again that he would provide the ultimate guardian redeemer for his people. Someone who wouldn't just protect them from hunger, but who would protect them through death itself. Who would redeem them. Who would restore them to right relationship with God. Who would save them from sin. For thousands of years, God's people waited and waited and looked and looked for this ultimate guardian redeemer. And he finally arrived 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. His name is Jesus, and it is his arrival which we're going to be celebrating in a, a few weeks' time at Christmas. So the hope which Ruth and Naomi find in this, this guardian redeemer, Boaz, points us to the hope and comfort we have in our ultimate guardian redeemer, Jesus. So as we prepare ourselves for Christmas, as we celebrate the arrival of our ultimate guardian redeemer, the story of Ruth too can both encourage and challenge us in a bunch of different ways. 
there is something here for you. Whether you're a seasoned Christian who's been following Jesus all your life, or whether you're new to all this and you're not even sure if following Jesus is the thing for you, there is something here. Now, I know that some of us haven't yet made that decision to follow Jesus. We've been coming along to church, maybe streaming in online, but not quite sure about this whole God thing yet. Maybe you're a little bit worried about what it might look like if you do make that commitment. Maybe you're not sure what God's going to think about you and all the things that you've done and all the things that you are. And maybe there's others of us who have been a part of God's people before but have wandered away. Um, Maybe you're wondering what it would be like to return to Him. What would your welcome be like from God's people? What are you going to find when you return to your Savior? What will you find if you make a leap of faith to follow Him? What you will find is a provider, a redeemer who is pledged to look after and provide for you. You will find our redeemer, Jesus, not only a man like Boaz, but also fully God. And he won't just give you some grain to fill your tummy, but he has said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. When you return to God, he will guide and he will provide. But most of us have been following God for quite a while, and we're already a part of God's people. We're coming to church, we're hearing his word, we're growing closer to him. This story has something to say to us as well. In fact, I see two key ways that this can challenge us as Christians. First way, do you really appreciate and understand the blessings which we have in Jesus? All that God has given to you. Are you moved in your heart by the privilege we have to gather together as God's people, as people who have been saved by the work of Christ, as people who have God himself within us. Without that salvation that Jesus has given us, none of us, no matter where you're born, no matter where we've grown up, no matter how much we've done, none of us would be saved. We would all be hopelessly lost without him. As we read in Isaiah, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This chapter in Ruth reminds us of what God has given us. That calls us to appreciate and acknowledge and look for the way that he then provides for us each and every day. So are you watching out for the ways that God is providing for you each day? Are you seeing and appreciating and thanking him for all the things that he is doing and has done in your life. Second way, how do you treat others who arrive in a Ruth and Naomi sort of state? When you you see someone who has come back into church, who is here again after a long absence, what is your immediate response? When, when the service ends, are you going to turn to a friend around you and 
and gossip about that person? Are you, or are you going to welcome them back in with genuine joy? When a person from a very different background comes along to church, someone who has no experience following Jesus, someone who has um, no knowledge of who God is, are you going to welcome them in? Are you going to be excited by the way that God is bringing one of his sheep back into his flock? Or are you going to try and steer clear a bit? Hope that, you know, those kids don't hang out with your kids. Hope that they don't get a coffee near you afterwards. These are questions which we should always be asking ourselves. Are we showing the love of God when others come along to join his people? But these are particularly relevant questions for us as we head towards Christmas. Our church is going to be filled numerous times over under COVID safe safety requirements with people who we've never seen before. With people whose faces we have seen before but we haven't seen in a while. They will be joining us as we celebrate the arrival of our ultimate kinsman redeemer, the one who has saved us, the light of the world, the one who gives us the bread that we will never go hungry with. How are you going to receive them? How are you going to respond when a Ruth or Naomi comes through those doors? Are you ready to show them the love that God has shown to you? But we're not at the end of the story yet. We're only in Ruth chapter 2. There's two more chapters to go. And the final verse of chapter 2 does not end, and Ruth and Naomi lived happily ever after. No, we read that Ruth kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests. And she lived with her mother-in-law. Now, things are looking up for Ruth and Naomi, but they're not out of danger yet. They've got food for now. They're still just two widows. They're relying on the generosity of others, and they're living in the dark and dangerous days of the judges. They don't have any family. They don't have the security or the safety which family brings. The answer to Boaz's question, who does this young woman belong to, is still nobody. Ruth has been shown kindness, but she's still just another widow. And that is where we leave Ruth until next time. God has provided for her so far. There's hope, but she isn't out of the woods yet. We're yet to see the culmination of her story. The expression of Boaz's goodness, spoiler alert, has just begun. Ruth and Naomi have literally only experienced the first fruits of this harvest. And this is true for us as well, where we're at. Here and now, as Christians, we are blessed deeply with all that Jesus has done for us, by the Holy Spirit who dwells with us, and by each other as we're in a community of God's people. But this is just the beginning of the goodness which Jesus will show us. We naturally anticipate more than what is in this life. As Christians, we ourselves, as it says in Romans 8.23, we have the first fruits of the Spirit. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. We, along with all of creation, wait for the culmination of the story of 
God's salvation. We wait for when Christ is going to return, when he will claim us, when he will recreate us and the entire universe free from sin, that we may enjoy his presence forever. Today, we've watched on as God has guided events to bless Ruth and Naomi through Boaz. And we've seen how God's kindness through Boaz points us toward the far greater kindness that he has shown us in Jesus. If you're returning to God, or if maybe you're thinking about making that leap of faith, of of committing your life to Jesus, be encouraged. No matter who you are, no matter how far you've gone, he loves you. He's not going to greet you with harsh penalties. He will welcome you in with loving provision in his people. And if you're among God's people, be reminded of the goodness that he has shown to us and be motivated to continue to show the love which he has placed in our hearts. Let's pray and ask that his spirit would would guide us as we seek to do this. Father, we are in awe of you. We are in awe of all that you have done. We are in awe of the way that you have provided for us through your word, the way that you have placed your spirit in our hearts, the way that you have earned salvation for us by your son. As we go from here, we ask that you would guide us and grow us by your spirit. We ask that for any who are returning to you or coming to you for the first time, that they would experience your love, Lord, through your spirit and in your people. And Father, that we pray that all of those who do know and who are following you will be reminded of all that you have done for us and that we would be encouraged to show your love to others. We ask this in your name. Amen. Let's go out with these words from the book of Ephesians. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen.